Turn to Matthew 5 here in just a minute. We're going to be there, but it's going to be a little while before we read. But Matthew 5. Been, uh, the Lord's been dealing with me personally, uh, and I've shared with a few of the men and things, uh, a verse lately, and it's in Matthew 7. We're going to eventually get there. I, I've got so much today, I don't know if we're going to get through. So we, this may be a two-parter, but we'll just see where God takes us today. But... Um, He's been dealing with me the scripture that says, you know, in that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I teach in your name? Didn't I do churchy things in your name? And I'm paraphrasing here. Didn't I do a lot of good, good God things? God's going to say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. And boy, I read that, and man, I just started getting this, this burden on my heart, and, and just it, it kind of scared me, to be honest with you. Because it, it's very easy to do a lot of churchy things, and it's very easy to come to church, and it's very easy to do this and that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm being a Christian, I'm doing some things, all right? But are we doing it for the right reasons? Is our heart right? Guys, I, I believe, and in this sermon, I just started looking for different sermons and different commentaries and different things on this topic just so that God could speak and, and teach me. And you know, I've never been shy to tell you that if God shows me something, it's, it's really good. I, I don't have any problem sharing it with you. It may be, you know, I'm just going to share it with, with you the way I read it. And so this was a sermon by a fellow by the name of Bart Box, and he preached for David Platt uh, one Sunday, and the sermon just really spoke to me, and I just, you know, if you hear something good, you want to share it with somebody. And so I want to give Bart Box the, the credit for this, this sermon, most of it. Of course, God gave it to him, but I just, I felt it really spoke to what I, was, what I was trying to find out. And guys, I believe that this very well could be the most important sermon that I'll ever preach. Not the greatest sermon I'll ever preach, not... You know, I just think this is very important for the day because I believe that there's a lot of people in this country and in this world think that they have Jesus, and they don't. And guys, I'm not here to make you doubt your salvation. I'm not here to make you wonder, you know, and leave here just all distraught. But I want us to examine our salvation. You know, when we have the Lord's Supper... We always say to take this first time, we always play a, a quiet song, and we, we take that first part of the time to examine our hearts and to see where we are with the Lord. And you know, personally, I always thought, well, I need to deal with my sin, and I need to deal with things that would keep me from you know, being what God wants me to be at this supper. But I think also we should examine our hearts that, are, are we His? Is there fruit there? You know, if I, if I had you stand up today and raise your hand and say, how would you define a Christian? How would you define a Christian? I, I think we would all, and I talked to the, to the youth about this this morning, I think we would define a Christian by what we see. Well, they, they, uh, they are nice, and they're kind, and they pray, and they come to church. And they have good intentions. And you know, I don't know if you watch the Bible series or not, but 
there was this one guy on there that was the head of the Sanhedrin. Caiaphas. And you know what? If you stood outside and you looked at him, he done all those things. He prayed. He read God's word. He even went into the Holy of Holies for the people and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat to get forgiveness for their sins. And in his heart, in his mind, let me say, in his mind, he believed that he was doing what God wanted him to do by taking Jesus and convicting him and causing him to be crucified on a cross. From the outside, he looked just like a Christian. But his heart was not a Christian. There's a part of that that was one of my favorite parts when he was on the boat with Peter. And he said, I want you to come and I'm going to make you a fisherman. And Peter says, what are we going to do, Lord? He said, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. Because the world's heart is sinful and it's wicked and it's evil. And if you look through that series, it was just one battle after another and it was stabbing and killing and blood and guts and you go man it's not even fit for our little kids to watch it was the bible it's it's how it's how mean we are as people guys the only thing we understand is stabbing and killing and murdering and beating you up and being over you and lording over you and and causing you to be slaves that's the only thing we understand in this world but jesus said i've come to change the world and we are the world. He said, I've come to change their heart. I've come to give them a new way of thinking. And guys, listen to me. It's not about coming to church because it's our duty. It's not about being nice to your neighbor because that's what God wants. Please hear my sermon this morning. This is not to weigh you down with a big old back sack, a big backpack of stuff to leave this building going, man, I got so much to do and I'm failing so much. It's not about what to do and what not to do. It's that your heart is so radically changed that all you can think about is growing the kingdom of Christ. It's all that you can think about is to tell people about Jesus. It's all that you can think about is to put the world behind you and the cross before you. And guys, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid that we just aren't getting it. You know, we define sin as missing the mark. I got a target on the board today. Missing the mark. You know what scares me? And guys, I'm, my heart is just out here before you this morning because God's been teaching this to me. What scares me is I've been shooting at the wrong target. What if God's target is there and I've been shooting over here at this target? What if I've been lobbing darts at the wrong complete target? And that scares me to death. Lord, Lord, didn't I do great things in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. Does that rock you this morning? That rocks me. Because, see, we look at sin so different than God. You know, I said, what if we, what if we defined a Christian this morning, we'd have all these things, but... You know what I want to know? I want to know how Jesus defines a Christian. Don't you? I want to know what he says it takes to be a Christian. 
Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the greatest sermon ever preached. It's the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a red letter edition, it's in red letters. It's Jesus speaking directly to us. And we need to listen to what he's saying. You know, back in the day, and, and we all have a view of what sin is like and what people are doing that fail. You know, we're really good at looking at everybody else's problems. And we all pick out different things. We have, through time, there's been different vices that we say, if that guy or that girl does that, then they're not a, they're not a Christian. Or if they're having trouble with that, then they're not a Christian. There was a great preacher back in the early 1900s. His name was Billy Sunday. And he was a former baseball player. And he, man, he was, he, he walked around more on stage than I do, okay? And they said there would be times when he was making a point from his old baseball back, background. He'd just take a slide across the stage and, and get his point going. You know, maybe I'll do that some morning. I don't know. Y'all have to probably come up here and get me up. But he'd just slide like he used to when he was in baseball. But here's, here's something that I want to read you a quote from one of his sermons, okay? I want you to look at the difference in how people view sin, okay? He said, Billy Sunday said, I believe that cards and dancing are doing more to damn the spiritual life of the church than the bars. This was back in 1900, early. He also said the dancing Christian never was a soul winner. He said the dance is simply a hugging match set to music. Do you know, he said, that three-fourths of all the girls who are ruined owe their downfall to this very thing. He said, these people asked me, look, Mr. Sunday, can't you dance with your wife? He said, dance with whom? This is right out of his sermon. His wife, you old lobster, he said, you don't want to dance with your wife. It's some other fellow's wife you want to dance with. You just soon go out and husk corn all night by the moonlight to dance with your own wife. He said, people will say to me, well, didn't they dance in the Bible? He said, yeah, they danced in the Bible, and they committed adultery too, and they got punished. You see, there was a clear line between believers and unbelievers in that day. Now, we laugh at that, and that's okay. I, I was sitting there snickering too, you know. We have kind of a different view of things. I've played cards before, and I've danced before. Oh, man, you know, we've done those things before. Nowadays, we kind of snicker at those things, and nowadays, it's other things. Well, if they do this or if they do that, then they're sinners. You know, maybe, maybe we need those lines restored sometime. I don't know. Maybe it was better when we had clear lines. You know what's kind of sad is the lines got kind of blurred, what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't anymore. We've kind of entered that gray shade, you know. We like living in the gray area because then nobody can make fun of us. We just kind of blend in. Jesus said to put the world behind you and follow me. I think about those things, and then I say, I wonder what Jesus said. You know, Jesus didn't talk about vices here in 5, 6, and 7. You know what Jesus talked about? The heart. Because you see, if the heart is right, everything else will be right. Because I can not do some things. I cannot play cards or I cannot dance or I, you know, I cannot do some things. But you know what? I cannot do all those things and I can go straight to hell because my heart never got changed. And I'm afraid that's how we view Christianity in the world today and in America. It's about that if I don't do this certain set of rules, then I'm going to heaven. Guys, you know, we struggle with that all the time. I struggle with it. 
I struggle with sin in my life. And I just say, Lord, if you just take that away from me, if you just, if you just quit letting me be tempted by that. You remember Paul, he prayed. He said he prayed three times. Lord, if you just take this thorn out of my side, I can serve you like you've never, you'll never know. I can, I can be great. You know what? God never removed that thorn from Paul's side. And guess what? Paul was great. Because God said, I'm not going to take it out, but I'm going to help you through it. He wants us to, to live through and go through and let, us, let him be the guide of our life so that at the end people say, how in the world did you do that? Right there. So that we may glorify God by our deeds. Not so people can say, what a great Christian Brother Todd is. What a great preacher Brother Todd is. What a great pastor Brother Todd is. That don't count. That don't matter. I can do that and be fake. But did God get glorified when Brother Todd was in the room? Did God get glorified when you were in the room? Or did you just blend in? It's amazing. Amazing. Let's look at the opening here of Matthew 5. And we'll start breaking it down, okay? Matthew 5, chapter, uh, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And I think we have to see not only thinking of the 12 disciples, but the people that were following him. A disciple, if you, if you define that, it's a follower of Jesus. So I, I think there's a, a good crowd that's gathered. And I want you to see these things that we read. Now, you've heard these Beatitudes a, a million times. But guys, my prayer this morning, just like God's been helping me see with new eyes this week and in a new heart, I pray that you'll see these for the very first time. And I want you to see the heart here. I want you to see how it's totally opposite of what we're chasing in the world today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now remember, this is in red letters. It's Jesus. You don't have to say, I wonder what he was meaning there. I wonder, I wonder if it got lost in translation. This is Jesus talking to us. Now, what's the main goal of the world today? Be rich. Get a bunch of stuff. Have a lot of possessions. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Not those that stand up and say, Boy, what a great Christian I am. Lord, I'm just glad I'm not like them with other guys. Lord, I see them, and they're just failing, 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 and I'm glad I'm not like them. You know what he wants to see? Lord, would you forgive me? I am a rotten, dirty, stinking sinner. And God, if you don't step in and do something, I'm bound for a devil's hell. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that get on their knees and cry out because they're they're no good because they sin, because they fail. And guys, I'm telling you, when you do that, I'm not up here to make you feel bad and inferior about yourself, but I'm telling you, when you turn your heart over to Jesus, he gives your life worth. No, nothing in this world can give your life worth. You can buy mansions and you can buy cars and you can have a gazillion dollars in the bank and you can have a pretty girlfriend or a, a beautiful husband or whatever, and none of that, none of that is going to give you worth. Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When's the last time you cried over your sin? When's the last time you literally shed tears over your sin? 
You guys, I'm telling you, you're like me. My heart gets so crusty from this old world, and you get so cynical, and you, you say, well, this, you know, and you try to help somebody, and it's just a big ruse, and they really don't need help. And we've just got acclimated to that, and we don't know how to help anybody out of our heart anymore. We don't. We always think there's lurking somewhere there a little motive behind. There's, there's something there that's not right. Blessed are those that mourn over their sin. Do you know what's going to fix America? And I'm telling you, it's not Republican or Democrat, you know. Lord, we spend enough time bashing the president or bashing this public party or that party or whatever. If we spend all that time out telling people about Jesus, we wouldn't have to worry about who the president was. Lord, he'd bring us a good president. He'd bring us the president he wanted to have. I'm not saying the one we got's bad. I'm just saying he'd bring us the one that we're all looking for. The one we think would be the perfect president. Because if you look back in the, in the Old Testament, every time the people went away from Christ, he put a leader over them that didn't have the same views they had. Every time they followed Christ, guess what? They sent them a godly leader that had the same views they had. It's not about Democrat or Republican or who's setting up in that White House. What's going to fix America is when God's people, the ones that say, I'm saved, get down flat on their belly and they pray out and cry out to God and they shed tears over their sin, then we'll see America change. Amen? Or oh me. That's what's going to change America. And it's going to be nothing to do with the economy. It's going to be nothing to do with the Republican or Democrat. It's not going to be nothing to do with any of that. It's going to be about me and you that say we believe and trust in God and he's our Savior, getting flat down on our belly and say, I am I'm a sinner and I have failed and I've quit following God and I'm choosing the world and I'm, I'm lost and I need God and I need him to rededicate. I need him to move in my life like he's never moved before. Blessed are those that mourn. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and what? Turn from their wicked ways. That's his people. The people out there lost, they're already wicked. They, don't, they can't change yet. They don't know how to change. We've got to go show them how to change. Then I'll heal, I'll hear, and then I'll heal. There's the formula. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He brought me to a place, guys, in the last two weeks, I ha I'm ashamed to say it as your pastor, but he brought me to a place where I had to seek after righteousness. I had to look for it. I had to search his scriptures and say, Lord, show me. Show me what you're trying to teach me. Show me that I'm yours. Do not let me miss this. Don't let me shoot at the wrong target. I need to make sure I'm shooting at the right target. Not what people said a Christian is, but what you said a Christian is. All we think of as Christian is who does good and who does bad. That's not it. You can fake that. You can fake that. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, I pray sometimes and my prayers don't feel like they get above the ceiling. Now seeking God. You're seeking what God can do for you. When's the last time you prayed and it wasn't for something specific that God could do for you? And I'm talking about praying for a sick mama and grandma, and, and those are all good prayers. Don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. But when's the last time you said, God, 
We need to work on me. I do not hunger after righteousness like I should. I do not long to be right with you. I do not long to do the right things. I'm always battling with why can't I do what I used to do. That's all I battle. Y'all ever battle that? Why do I battle always what I, you, I always want to go back and do that. It's like Danny said, we stay on that line. God wants us to get on up the hill. It's not easy. It's hard. But why do we stay right here by it? Run from it. Get away from it. Go on up the hill. It's hard. But God says, I'll help you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Are you a peacemaker in your family? Are you the one stirring it up? You mean Christians do that? Yeah. You see what I mean about your heart? Guys, listen to me. I want you to know that you're saved, not because I told you you were. You know, you know it's real easy if somebody comes up and you lead them to Christ and you go, now listen, you don't have to ever doubt being a Christian again because the Bible says you're saved. You know what they hear? Brother Todd just told me I'm saved, so I don't have to ever deal with that again. Brother Todd told me I was saved. And guys, listen to me. I believe we can read God's word and tell whether a person is saved or not because it says to believe and confess and thou shalt be saved. It's right there in black and white. But I want you to know, I don't care whether you're 16 or 86, I want you to know this morning that you know you're saved because God has showed you you're saved through the Spirit. I want him to be able to show you, not because you prayed a prayer, not because you went up front at church when you was little, not because you come to church every Sunday, not because you've taught a Sunday school class. I want you to know you're saved because the Spirit has showed you you're saved. It says in Acts, when the Holy Spirit come upon them, they were filled with the Spirit. Brother Fred said the other night after Bible uh, prayer meeting, he said, I don't know if I know what that is. I'm not sure that 99% of us know what filled with the Spirit means. Now, I know when Jesus comes into our life, we are filled with the Spirit, but I don't know if we've ever really experienced that. The Bible says there's going to be fruit. There's going to be fruit if you're His. Not when you come when you want to, not when something is nothing else to do, but you're going to follow Christ. And guys, that's not so much in this building. You know, I was watching the movie, and I keep going back to the Bible because it just... Some things really jumped out at me that I could see with my eyes. You know, you've read them in the Bible, and then they just jumped out on the page. And I thought they did a really good job of following the Scriptures the most part. But you know, those early guys, they didn't have a church building. They didn't say, let's go out in town and invite people to church. Let's go out and, and invite people to church so Brother Todd can preach at them. They went one by one. They went door to door. They went village to village. And they told them people about the love of Jesus. They told the people one-on-one -on -one about a, a Savior that died for them on a cross, that paid their price for their sins, that he went into the grave. But on the third day, he rose again, and now he wants to give you eternal life. When's the last time you bore fruit for Jesus? When's the last time you shared one-on-one -on -one with somebody about the love of Jesus? When's the last time you witnessed to somebody about Christ? You see why I've been squirming all week? This is convicting stuff, guys. This is stuff that will make you scared. Because we've got to know. In that day, many, many will say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I don't know you. 
I don't know you. But I went to camp. But I took the kids to camp. But I, I, I raised money. But I don't know you. Your heart is not mine. Mm. We see the setting of this sermon. Next screen, please. We must remember this sermon, 5, 6, 7. We must remember it in the context of Matthew. And of the whole thing. You know, if we look in here, if you look real quick through your Bible, 5, 6, and 7, you're going to see fulfillment of the law. You're going to see murder. You're going to see divorce, adultery, eye for an eye, love for your enemies, giving, praying, fasting, seeking your knock, narrow and wide is the gate, false prophets. If you just pull any of that out, and you take and shake it in somebody's face, that's wrong. God wants us to see it. Jesus wants to see this in the context. And Matthew wrote this in the total context of this sermon. You've got to see the whole sermon. And you've got to realize that Matthew started with the birth of Jesus. And he stated what was going to happen. He stated that Matthew begins by calling attention to the sins of God's people. Matthew 1, 26, Joseph was having a hard time with what was going on with Mary. Lord, I don't even know her yet. We have not come together as husband and wife, and she is pregnant. And the angel said, trust me. Do not fear. She's going to have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. Because he will save the people from their sins. You see the whole gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It begins with dealing with the sins of the people. Then Jesus teaches it here, 5, 6, and 7. But Matthew doesn't stop there. He spends the last eight chapters of the gospel talking about the death of the Messiah. Going over every detail of Jesus' last few days on this earth that he not only taught it, Jesus not only stood up and said, here's what you need to do, he showed you how to do it. He said, you got to take up your cross. you got to die to yourself. And you got to follow me. Jesus said, I'm going to show you how to do that. And he literally took up his cross. He literally went to Mount Calvary. He literally was nailed on a cross. He literally paid the price. And he did it for us. And then you look at the back of Matthew and it says, now do what? Go and do it yourself. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, well, I'm not a preacher. That word just means go and tell the gospel. Go tell, go share. There's sin. Jesus came and dealt with it. He showed you how to deal with it. And now he says, go and do it yourself. Go show others. Go show others. Remember all the history of this. All the way from the Old Testament. And Jesus wanted to show them how that fit perfectly with what was going on in the New Testament. And we see back in the Old Testament, one person, one leader, one prophet, one great man of God after another said, there's a new way coming. There's a new way coming. There's a Messiah coming. There's a new way. There's a new thing coming. New, 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 new. And Jesus said, I am the way. I'm a new covenant. I brought a new covenant to you. There's a new way of thinking. I came to change the world. I came to change your heart, your old stinky, smelly heart. I came to change it so we could change the world and tell people that there is salvation and they don't have to go to the devil's hell. That's what he did. That's what he did. 
It's not a big laundry list of do's and don'ts. It's where's your heart. Guys, quit defining Christianity like that. Well, I didn't do that. I don't do what they do. I don't, I don't do what they do. So? You know that one of us in line that day for judgment is going to say, I didn't do what they did. God said, Jesus said, I'm, I'm talking to you. What did you do? What did you do? Well, I don't come to church because there's hypocrites down there. Don't let them hypocrites send you to hell. Because it's not going to matter. He's not going to take that excuse. And shame on us, by the way, if we are hypocrites. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a little bit. A new affection. A new exodus. A new redemption. A new temple. A new people. He said, I'm here to make it new. And it said Jesus is the long-awaited Redeemer. He came to show you a better, bigger, newer Moses. If you look at the people of that time, they looked up to Moses. Because they were wanting the Messiah to do what Moses did. What did they celebrate right before Jesus' death? The Passover. Who did they look up to? Moses. What did they want the new Messiah to do? To do what Moses did. What did Moses do? Well, they took their forefathers who were, they were slaves, they were bound, and they could not do their, they could not have their own life. They were bound to work and be a taskmaster for the Egyptians. And they built the pyramids that are still there today and all those other crazy, huge things that they had no cranes, they had no modern equipment. They did it with back pain and back stress and, and they lost their lives and they were just oppressed and oppressed and oppressed. And they prayed day after day, won't you send someone to save us? Won't you send someone to free us from this? And here come Moses. I will raise up for them a prophet like Moses from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command you, for his is the long-awaited kingdom. Whew. Think about what Moses did. Moses had authority to speak. He went, before, he went before Pharaoh. Now listen, if we really think about this a minute, the first time he went before Pharaoh and demanded something of him, let my people go, if God's not with him and not, God's not gave him the authority and the protection that he needs, his head's gone. You did not step in the presence of Pharaoh and demand anything, especially if you were someone he didn't like in the first place. But you know what? He'd walk in, he'd state his demands, and God would take him walking right out. He spoke with authority. Who spoke with greater authority? Jesus says, I stand before you. He had the authority to speak what he's speaking. He had the authority to preach the great sermon on the mount. The authority is greater than what even Moses had. Moses wrote the five, first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the books of law. Those are Moses' books. Guess how many great sermon speeches Jesus gave? You got it, five. Just, just a little bit more, a lot more, just a whole much more than Moses a bigger, better Moses. He freed people from slavery. Jesus came to free people from the slavery of sin. And you know what a taskmaster it is. Listen to me. I'm not saying there's a formula to be perfect on this world. 
I'm not saying that today. I'm not saying you have to shut yourself up in a hole somewhere and never sin again. We know we're going to do that. But guys, we just blow over that. Well, if nobody's going to be perfect to heaven, if, if I, I'm going to fail, well, why do I even have to strive for it? The Lord said, I want you to seek after me, and I want you to seek with me, after me off with your whole heart, and if you will, guess what? You'll find me. That's some work. We want Christianity to be easy. We want to pray a prayer. We want to show up at church once in a while. We want people to pat us on the back and say, I love you, brother, and that's all. Nothing you see of the early church was anything like that. Those people were giving up their life daily. If somebody said, I'll kill you, you know what they said? I ain't afraid. I don't, I'm not afraid to die. I can't tell you that this morning. I pray if it comes time the Lord says, or the, the man says, you've got to die or, or say you denounce Christ, I'm praying for the grace of God to let me say, I believe in Christ, kill me. Guys, we have not suffered like that. We've had it easy. This is comfortable. All we've got to worry about is whether Todd's got the building too hot or too cold. All those chairs, man, I like them chairs better than the pews. They're, 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 it's kind of hard on my back. You know, I noticed the floor wasn't vacuumed this morning. That, that's the kind of things we're worrying about. You know, they sung one of them praise hymns this morning. I wish we could sing the hymns. And what's wrong with the hymns? I like hymns too. They ain't going to get us to heaven. We're missing the whole point of why we're here. This is to charge our batteries so we can go back out there in an old, crusty, nasty world and survive another week so we can get back here. We shouldn't want to drag ourselves to church on Sunday. We shouldn't want to hope I can get to church, or we shouldn't want, we should run to church. We should start getting here about 6 o'clock because we couldn't wait. Because that nastiness out there is all over us. Guys, it don't take long, about two days, about a day out there in the field. Somebody says, man, I try to do right. I try to say, I'm going to go in Monday and I'm going to be a new man for Jesus. And by 10 o'clock, I'm all dirty again. That's the world we're living in. That's why we run to this place, to get cleansed. So we can go back out there and go at it again. It's hard. It's hard. I'm going to stop there. We'll pick up there next week. Guys, I want us to think this week. I want you to get along somewhere real quiet with the Lord, and I want you to examine your salvation. And, and, and wipe away... What I, don't get in this point where, yeah, I do some bad things, but look, I got two or three things over here I'm doing right. Don't sit there and play that game. Three wrongs, or three rights don't make a wrong. It, it, they don't wash each other out. God doesn't play like that. Have him deal with you in your heart. Where, where is my heart? Lord, is there evidence? Is there evidence that I am yours? Is there fruit there? Do I long to be with you? Do I long to be righteous? Do I long to be in your word? Do I long to pray so I can talk to you? My prayer life stinks sometimes. Some days it's just a two-minute prayer I pray with the girls at night. You see what I mean? You see how God deals with even your preacher. Guys, I'm telling you, this world gets crusty. I'm doing better than Brother Todd. I pray every day. Amen. 
But guys, I want to tell you, you can get in a rut. You can get thinking every. We get in the, wrapped up in this grace, and guys, grace is the greatest thing ever. Don't get me wrong. That's my favorite word in the whole Bible. But we get convincing ourselves that we're living in grace, and oh, God's grace got me covered. Oh, God's grace has got me. I'm okay. I know I do wrong, but God's grace has got me. Yeah, he does. But is that the way we want to live? One step forward and two steps back. Well, I'm a good Christian today. Well, I wasn't so good today. Are we going to play the dance our whole life? You know what Jesus needs? He needs somebody running out here. He needs somebody leading the way. He needs more than just one Billy Graham that preaches the word to millions. He needs a bunch more than that. At the rate we're going, we're not going to make it. There's a storm coming. And I'm not talking about a storm in your life where you're going to get sick. And, and it looks, and those are all big. But there's a big storm coming. We read about it in Revelation. And you need to check your foundation. Are you, going to, are you building on the rock? You building on the rock of Jesus? Or are you just building a house that you think looks good? Because I can build a real pretty house. And if I'm building it on the sand, it ain't going to stand a big storm. There's a big storm coming. There's a big storm coming. Do you hear me? A big storm. I'm calling out today. I'm sounding the warning. If I know a tornado's coming to Kaiser, I'm going to let y'all know. As your pastor, I'm telling you, there's a big storm coming. And the day for playing around, the day for playing church, and the day for playing Christian, it ain't going to hold up. It's going to wash away. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I'm screaming that to you this morning. I want you to know that you know that you know. Not because grandma brought you or because mama brought you or because I grew up in this church. Because you and God have communed with each other and there's evidence in your life that you belong to him. Please hear me this morning. I've battled this this week. I've battled this. I want to make sure that I know that I'm his. This cannot be something that I fail at. This is not be something I can guess at. Because we just don't run after Jesus like we should. We're chasing the world with all that we've got. And we give him the leftovers, guys, and that's not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone that pursues him with all they've got. Yes, we do fail. Yes, we do sin. Yes, we do have problems. But we get our heart and we go and we run with Jesus. Please, please hear me. Please hear me as you leave today. I'm not saying if you're doing something bad or doing something wrong or right. That's not it. That's not it. That's not Christianity. We have said that enough in this world. It's our heart. If you're still hating on people, if you're still angry at people, if you're still bitter at people, your heart never got changed. Maybe it got changed and maybe it's so corroded that you need God to just wash it and cleanse it. We can't get along with our family. We can't get along with our wife or our husband, our kids. We can't get along with people at work for five minutes. But I'm a Christian. But I'm a Christian. But when I die, I'm going to heaven. Are you? Are we? Guys, I'm not shouting at you this morning. I'm preaching at myself as hard as I'm preaching at you. We just can't keep playing church in this country. Our country is going to hell in a handbasket. And we're playing church. And we give God everything but what he deserves and what he needs. And he wants us to do it out of love. He wants us to love to be with him. Not because it's what the Bible says, or, or Brother Todd says we need to do this, or the Bible says we need to do that. Are you doing it because you have to? 
Your heart never got changed. Your heart never got changed. But listen to me. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to fear. You just go to Jesus. And he will show you what you need to do. And guys, listen. If you say, well, man, I've been coming to church 10, 15, 20, 30 years. What in the world would they think if I say, I never really was saved? You know what we'll say? We're going to clap our hands because you got it right. And you won't have a surprise coming someday when you stand before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, did, didn't I? I don't know who you are. And listen, God's not trying to fool people. Jesus' not trying to fool you. But he just wants you to hear it. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 this week. Read the whole thing. See the whole context of the sermon. We'll get into more of it next week. See the whole context of it. He is telling you what it takes, and it takes the heart. It takes a heart for Christ. These guys did not go get their head chopped off. Peter didn't get crucified upside down. They didn't get filleted alive because their heart was weak. They had their heart right, and they were following the right target. They were shooting at the right target. Did they have sins? You better believe it. Did Paul fail? Yes. Did Peter fail? Yes. But they had their heart right, and they were going to run after Jesus if it cost them their life. We won't run across to hear the preacher preach at church across the street because we've got all these excuses. Well, somebody down there hurt my feet. Well, somebody down there did them. Well, all they talk about is money. You see how you see how we've tainted church? I'm not even sure we need to be meeting in here. You know what I'm afraid of? This is just Todd speaking. I know it's long, but just hang in there with me. What I'm afraid, I told him Wednesday night, I think we're in for house church is coming soon. Because I tell you, if if things keep falling the way they're falling, one of these days they're gonna start taxing our property on these churches. And taxes are going to be thousands and thousands of dollars, and little churches like ours is not going to be able to afford it. You know what we're going to be relegated doing? We're going to start meeting down here at Michael's house. We're going to be starting meeting over here at Eddie Gardner's house. We're going to be over at Bill Walker's house having church, just like they did in Acts. He's going to get our heart right. And we're going to fall in love with each other, and we're going to fall in love with the Word of God, and we're going to start doing things the way we should. And quit worrying about how pretty this place is. That's just free. That's just Todd talking. That's not anywhere in the Bible, but I just, I can see, guys, we are, we've been so comfortable in this world, we have got to pay the price just like our forefathers did. They paid a price. We have a price to pay. We haven't paid yet. This is not paying a price, coming here every Sunday. This is not sacrificing. This is not sacrificing. Sacrificing is when you have to decide between Jesus and one of your kids. Sacrifice is when you have to decide between your life or, or Jesus. Sacrificing is when you have to decide between eating and Jesus. That's sacrifice. We had not done that yet. That scares me. But you know what? If we're following him, I'll take you through the fire again, he says. I'll take you through there. You just follow me. Because in the end, only the ones that follow him will be victorious. All this other stuff's going to burn. This building's going to burn someday. My cars are going to burn, my house is going to burn, my furniture is going to burn. It's all going to burn up, the Bible says. And only what's done for Jesus Christ will stand. We're putting our faith and hope and trust in our bank account and in our stuff, and it can't get us two miles down the road. 
Only Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the only way that's going to get you to heaven. Please hear my heart today. Let's bow. We're just going to sit in silence this morning. No music. This altar's open. You can pray right there. You can get down on your knees, whatever you need to do. But I want you to ask God, maybe you hadn't asked him in a long time, to God, I want you to show me if I'm yours. And you may not be able to do it right now, God. Maybe this week, but somewhere in my spirit, somewhere in my heart, I want you to show me 100% sure that I'm yours. And God, I want you to help me to deal with whatever you show me. Because guys, listen, I love you too much for you to be fooled someday and say, hear those awful words. I don't want to hear them and I don't want none of you all to hear them. I never knew you. I would be a pretty sorry preacher. Listen to him as he speaks.